It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hey everyone, this is Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler. I'm filling in for Ben this week. This week, I'm joined by Motherboard Contributing Editor Matthew Galt to talk about the resurgent interest in Pokemon cards, Magic cards, sports cards, and what it is doing to the labor markets associated with high-end card grading. This is something that I myself dove into over the pandemic because like so many other people, I found my old Pokemon cards in my closet and realized that they're suddenly worth a lot of money. I've been kind of following what's been happening here and we have basically people fighting each other at Target stores over Pokemon cards. We have a labor crisis at three of the major companies that do card grading and we also have some parallels to cryptocurrency. So please stick around and here's my interview with Matt. Hey everyone, this is Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler. I'm filling in for Ben this week and for Lorenzo. Uh, We have a series of non-COVID-related illnesses. So I'm going to be with you this week, and I have Matthew Galt, who's a contributing editor at Motherboard. Matt, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. We're here to talk about Pokemon. Pokemon? Yeah. Really? The card game or the, the video game? The card game. You know what we're talking about. This is, uh, I, I like this. this I know, but this, this is banter. This is, this is, this so is you banter. don't know what's going on, but you do know what's going on. That's a little behind the scenes action for, for our listeners. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to, this is theater of the mind. I'm trying to do like they're watching Johnny Carson and it's 1975. Yeah. That's well, a dated reference. Yeah. But before we get started, I, I want to, uh, hit two quick things. One, I was on Cypher last week and, uh, I kind of flippantly said I was not a fan of the Washington Nationals and my friends back home got mad at me, um, which is totally fair game. Uh, I'm an Orioles fan first, but I do enjoy the Washington Nationals and root for them. So um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, TJ and Angela and and everyone who I offended there. Uh, I I have been following the Nats and uh, go Nats. Uh, and then another order of business is, uh, are, we, are we talking about your nuptials? We can edit this out if if we're not. No, we can secret. absolutely talk about my nuptials. Yeah, Matt, let the world know. It's, Matt it's a got wonderful occasion. Last week, uh, we we attended on Zoom. It was a beautiful occasion. Thank you. Uh, we were in and out in five minutes. We crashed uh, the governor's mansion here in the undisclosed southern state in which I live, uh, and it was it was great. It was it was actually it sucked that all the families couldn't be there, but it was also great that all the families couldn't be there. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I've been been to a couple of Zoom weddings over the pandemic and it's they've all been very nice. And I've I've wished I was at all of them at the same time. It's like the the focus is very much on like the the getting married aspect and not all the rigmarole around it. So and you had a very beautiful venue. Uh, It was uh, and I like that it was clandestine and pirate pirate wedding. So we like that. Yeah, it was, uh, there's a couple of gardeners that were looking at us very strangely, but nobody caused any trouble. Yeah, I'm so. sure they see it all the time. Anyways, congratulations. Uh, we're very excited for you. And uh, now we're going to talk about Pokemon cards, which is just truly a, a really cyber topic. Um, both you and I have been writing about Pokemon. I know you're more of a magic guy, right? Yes. Yeah. The uh, Unfortunately, my involvement in Pokemon is hampered by the fact that I was 
when it really hit the scene, I was the perfect age to be just a little bit older um, and look down on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Pokemon is like, that's, I already play Magic the Gathering. That's for children. Not like, not realizing at the age of 14 or whatever that I was cutting myself off from this beautiful um, and complicated, like, thing that would become a dominant cultural force. Meet the latest craze to sweep the country. Characters named Pikachu, Mankey, and Snorlax. This could be this year's Christmas boom. And the Pokemon is creating a monster of a commotion for American kids. That's all they're wanting now is pure Pokemon. We haven't sold any yo-yos or Star Wars merchandise in a long time. Well, I mean, speaking about it from just like a gameplay perspective, it's like Pokemon, the Pokemon trading card game when it came out was a much simpler game than Magic. Mm -hmm. Like I played both. I was the exact perfect age for Pokemon, like which is what we'll get into. But it's basically like I began collecting the moment they came out in the United States because I was already playing Pokemon Red and like I was also already collecting baseball cards. A sure sign of Pokemon's arrival as a player is the creation of a Pokemon Beckett price guide. Last month, Beckett printed more Pokemon guides than baseball. That's unheard of in the world of sports cards collecting. I remember very clearly, like I walked into uh, this card shop with my dad. We were there to buy some baseball cards and I was like, oh my God, there's Pokemon cards. Like, what are these? I love Pokemon the game. Like, I'm going to buy some. And I bought like some booster packs. And I specifically remember I bought a first edition Zapdos and a first edition Charizard for $5 each from like, you know, they were both in the glass case. And I held on to them uh, religiously for a, a little while. And like, my brother and I got very into them. So I played in tournaments. Like, I went to the card shop. Like, I, I had tons of them. And I was also. Uh, we were middle class, but I was like a spoiled child. So like we would like wait in line at Toys R Us and various places for like when new uh, booster packs dropped and stuff because they were hard to get like even at the time. Like I also remember yeah. there was a specific store that stocked like the Japanese ones and we would go to that store and if they had them, like we'd buy some. Um, so I have I have and had like a lot of first edition base set and first edition jungle cards which are the first two sets and the the story that i wrote was basically like look like these cards are now worth like very serious money like a lot of money we're talking hundreds of dollars a card for some of them thousands of dollars a card for others and then like tens of thousands of dollars or more for a select few cards if they're professionally graded um and i've been like following this story for the last few months because i went like so many other people like I went and found my cards in my closet and went through them. And I was like, I have a lot of good cards here. Like, what do I do with them? And I had, I used to sell my uncle's comic books on eBay. Uh, So I like knew, like I did it for him and he gave me like $5 for each one or whatever. So I knew how to do this. And like, I started selling them. I'm like, this is like crazy. Like the, the situation is very, uh, very wild. And like, I need to dive into it. So there's a couple points here that's like one the prices are through the roof to the great like the high end the graded card market is just simply bonkers and has resulted in like a labor issue and then three it's like we're still making pokemon cards and they are still hard to get so how do you want to how do you want to break this down well let me ask you this first do you know what that zapdos and charizard are worth now 
So the Charizard, it has a very sad, sad story. Um, the first edition base set Charizard is the most valuable Pokemon card that was like released into wider uh, distribution. There's like a couple promo cards and very, um, very like rare like event cards where it's like if you want a tournament, you get you got like a happy birthday Pikachu or like a Kangaskhan promo Japanese card that's like worth several hundred thousand dollars. But like the first edition Charizard is something that like people could feasibly have. Uh, and I bought it and it is the first thing that I ever sold on eBay. Uh, I was so I was uh, 11 years old when I started getting into Pokemon or I was into it for a few years, but like I was 11 years old when Pokemon cards came out. And like when I was 12, I was on the internet and I was on eBay buying cards and like looking for them and stuff. And I was like, wow, like I have this Charizard. Like if I sell this, I can use that money and buy other cards. So I sold it for $150. I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. It was the most money that I'd ever gotten outside of like a very generous birthday gift from my grandpa or something, you know, like it was a lot of money to me at the time. And the way that it went down, like this was before PayPal existed or maybe PayPal was just like starting to exist, but I didn't have a bank account. So like I, the, the buyer mailed me a money order and then like I went to the post office and I cashed the money order and then like I mailed the Charizard card and the whole transaction took like three weeks. Like it was a long time. And then I looked earlier this year and a, uh, like PSA 10 graded uh, Charizard, meaning it's in perfect condition, sold for like $320,000. So I should have held on to it. Um, and the other thing I will say is like, because I already collected baseball cards, I I did play the game, but what I did was I had um, proxy cards, I guess you'd call them. So like I would take a really... Uh, shitty card and write in Sharpie like Charizard on it and then I would put it in my deck and I would have all the cards like protected and I would shuffle that and like so I basically like never shuffled that Charizard card like it was in a top loader like a, a pla hard plastic thing like it was in good condition uh, so I'm really like kicking myself over that it's like very sad the Zapdos I still have I believe but I cannot find it uh it is in a closet somewhere and I've, I've like looked endlessly and my parents are selling their house. So like it is in there somewhere and I shall find it. Um, all right, let's, let's zoom out then explain this for people that don't know, like the grading system. Why is this important to the secondary market? Uh, what are the companies that do it and what has happened in the last six months to a year to them? Yeah. So the, I mean, you can go a million foot view or like the quick version is basically like there, there are three major companies that do what's called Pokemon. Well, it's called card grading. Um, and they like PSA is the biggest one in the industry and it started by grading sports cards. Um, and then the others are Beckett, uh, which is BGS. It's like Beckett grading service. And then there's a new one called it's like certified guarantee company or something, but it, it's called CGC basically. Uh, and they started out, they're like the biggest name in the comic book grading world. Uh, and about a year ago, they started doing Pokemon magic and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So basically it's like, there's these three companies 
the way that you do it is you put your cards into like nice bubble wrap and plastic and you mail them to some warehouse somewhere. And then a professional, um, you know, this is their job. They take out like a jeweler's magnifying glass with, with like a light on it and stuff. And they look at it under, under that magnifying glass and they're looking for like scratches, bends, dings, pen marks, like little like wear and tear that happens from shuffling things like this. And then they assign it a grade, um, from one to 10. And like, if a card is graded 10, that means it's gem mint, which means it's basically flawless. Um, they put it in like a hard, like plastic case and it says PSA 10 or CGC 10 at the top. And then the, the value of that card goes from like, it, it basically like goes up 10 X to like 50 X in from what it would be worth non-graded. And so just for example, um, there's like, so Pokemon has a bunch of different things. Like there's all these sets, the sets are printed once. And then it, within those sets, there's the first edition, which is like the first, I don't know, 10% of all of the cards made for that set. They probably print it for like a month. It goes to the card stores, you buy them and it has a little emblem on it that says first edition. And if it says that, then the card is like way more valuable because it's way more rare. Um, then there's for the base set, which is the very first one that came out, there was something called shadow list, which is like, it's basically the next run of cards. And then they basically like completely redesigned what the card would look like. Like they didn't change the art, but they changed like some things around. They basically like bolded some things on the card, like some of the text and added a shadow to the actual picture itself. And then that's like called the unlimited, uh, edition. And so Within each of those, there's like three tiers. There's first edition, shadowless, and then normal ones, and then you can get them graded. And so there's collectors in all of these like spaces. There's people who only want first edition cards. There's people who only want shadowless cards. There's people who just want to be a completionist and get whatever. And then there's the very high end of the hobby where it's like, I want only the cards that are graded like eight, nine, or 10. Um, and during the pandemic, people were like, well, I have all these cards, like, or I'm really bored. So I'm going to get back into Pokemon cards. So the market has gone through the roof. Whereas, uh, you know, some of these cards would sell for a couple bucks, like a few years ago, they're now selling for like 20, 30, $40 each card, um, which has led people to start getting their cards graded. Like there's now incentive to get these cards graded. So they're sending them to these companies. And my story was basically about how these companies are getting completely overwhelmed. They have been simply like under deluge of what PSA called a quote avalanche of cardboard um, and they can't keep up. And so people are really mad. Well, you and you sent in how many cards you sent in cards to get graded, right? How long ago and how many? In February, I sent a hundred cards to CGC, which was the, and the reason I sent them to CGC and not PSA was because the wait times for PSA already were like eight months, uh, to get your cards back. And I was like, I don't want to wait eight months. Like I like, and CGC was advertising, like, send us your cards. We'll look at them. We'll grade them. We'll put them in the plastic and we'll mail them back to you in 30 days. Um, so I sent them at the beginning of February and it is now May 4th when we're recording this and like CGC has acknowledged that they have received the cards, but there's been no 
First of all, it took like a month and a half for them to even acknowledge that the cards came in the mail. And then there's been no movement since then. And so, I mean, that's just me. I sent a hundred cards. The cards are valuable. Like they're probably worth altogether like $10,000 in the current market. It's like, I would like them back. Um, I'm not like a, like I bought these to collect them when I was a kid and I just held on to them and now they're worth something. And it's like the first time in my life where it's like, oh, like I fell into this thing where it's now this is worth something and it'd be nice to have $10,000. I'm going to split it with my brother and sister. And like, I don't know, maybe I'll buy a PlayStation five or something like who knows. Um, but I don't know when I'm getting them back. And so there are people who have sent hundreds and thousands of cards and they're like, what the fuck? Like, where are my cards? Like people are very mad. And at, at the same time, like these companies are like, desperately trying to hire new people so cgc was paying people a thousand dollars to start if they were hired they soon like soon after that they announced that they were going to be paying two thousand five hundred dollars if you started psa has uh bought a new warehouse uh and then a week after they bought a new warehouse they bought a second new warehouse just to store these things uh cgc is talking about how they're going to use like ai and like all these computer like driven like efficiency software to help, which I find to be really funny because the CGC website is like very broken, uh, which is part of the problem here. Like I, I wanted to mail them like 85 cards and I painstakingly like put it into their back end over the course of like five hours because it kept breaking. And then like a week later I found some more cards and I was like, I want to send like 10 more. So I sent them an email and they're like, we have no way of looking up your order. And we also have no way of like reopening that order so just like write down the cards names on a index card and like mail it to us so it doesn't like inspire confidence is i guess what i would say yeah are you worried that you've got this you've got your hundred cards are just in a warehouse somewhere just sitting on a shelf and you may never see them again i, I think they'll come back i mean the the thing the thing that's so surprising to me is like these are not startups like psa has been around for decades Beckett made its name by printing price guides for baseball cards, like starting in the eighties. Um, and we used to, my dad used to subscribe to it. So I would check like, what is a Cal Ripken rookie card worth? Um, can I buy it? And like that, that's basically like the Beckett guide was what card shops would use for their, um, like pricing essentially. And so like they started grading cards in the 90s, like CGC has been doing comic books for like decades and now they're doing uh, Pokemon cards. So it's like, I mean, the thing to me is that this is a little bit wild. Like the thing that is really astounding to me is the wait times and the labor like crunch and just sort of the the fact that these companies have been overwhelmed. I'm not surprised that these cards are worth something because like early issues of Fantastic Four are worth a lot. Superman comics, Batman comics, like collectibles is a well-trod territory for, for hobbyists. It's like, I'm not surprised these cards are worth something. Um, and if CGC can handle like Superman number one, they can probably handle like a Charizard, you know? Well, I think that cards and comics are a little bit different, right? Because if you're getting if you're getting a comic book, you got to look through all the pages and there's grading issues, right? But you're kind of treating a couple issues whereas like with Pokémon cards or Magic the Gathering cards or or baseball cards, 
you're getting much, the, the amount is so much more. Right. Right. Like you sent in a hundred cards. Did you ever send in a hundred comic books for your uncle to get, to get graded? No, we never did the grading thing. And it's like, yeah, I probably, my uncle probably had like 200 comic books or something. And like, I have 5,000 Pokemon cards and like, I was into it, but I, I mean, like I said, I'm just like, I played the game hobbyist collector, like in the nineties, there are like card shops who are doing this, who have just like boxes and boxes and boxes of them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It is it, it is shocking to me though because you have three companies doing this some of them that have been in the game for decades they've seen like the hobby comes and goes people start collecting baseball cards get really excited then it goes away I remember when I was a kid like comic book cards were a big deal mm-hmm. um like I tried to I collected those now those are worth nothing nobody cares about those um so they've seen like boom and bust cycles before but the the public the couple public statements that we've gotten out of these companies make it sound like and you you don't buy a new warehouse unless something wild is going on i yeah, guess and then yeah. what was the 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 public statement from um was it the ceo, CEO of PSA yeah so the, so PSA has stopped taking uh well basically they were like we're getting more cards over a weekend than we used to get in 6 months um we're getting cards like you know just by like 500,000 cards every three days or something. It's, it's, and each of those needs to be looked at by a human. So, um, on some level, it's like, that's, that's crazy. Um, and so the way that it works is like you basically pay a fee per card. Uh, and a lot of like I submitted my, all of mine as what are known as like bulk. And so it's like, you're sending in a bunch of cards. You were going to give you a discount because you're doing bulk and you basically like go to the back of the line. Uh, we'll get to them when we get to them. Uh, and it's like between seven and $10 a card and PSA. And then there's like standard, which is like a little bit faster. Like the turnaround time's a little bit faster. It costs a little more and then, you know, so on and so forth. And like PSA has completely stopped taking any new cards whatsoever unless you're willing to pay $300 per card for their like white glove service where it like arrives and then like, you know, an executive grabs it and takes it to the front of the line. And so that's like your first edition Charizard, like you would, you would pay that. But for like the normal card, like you, you probably wouldn't do that. $300 per card to look at it. And it's, that's the low one. There's like a $300 one, a $600 one, a like $1,000 one, 
And it's like, I mean, I guess if you have a card worth $300,000, like you'll pay it, I guess. Well, the other thing I would be worried about if I were one of these companies is, is this a bubble? Yeah. Right. Like what happens if the bottom falls out of this whole thing and you've bought a new warehouse and hired all these people and then you just have to completely retract back to pre COVID explosion numbers. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're making a ton of money right now because they're, they're getting all of these things, but they're paying, you know, they're, they're hiring up in a big way in the same way that like retailers hire up around Christmas or whatever times, you know, a couple. And yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't imagine this is going to last like that long although who can say it's like pokemon and magic and even Yu-Gi-Oh! like they have a lot of staying power um and then there's been similar booms in like sports cards too uh my article focused on pokemon because it's what i know but there's been a similar boom in in magic prices i think i mean have you been following that at all yes there is it, it feels like one of the things I think is interesting about this story, um, and in communication with Target, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second too, who's been kind of the, one of the battle retail battlegrounds of this whole thing, it seems like it's cards across the board and collectibles across the board. It's not just Pokemon cards. It's also Magic cards. It's MLB and FIFA cards. All that stuff is is selling like hotcakes right now. Uh, as I think the if I remember correctly, the PSA executive specifically cited that they are also getting a ton of sports cards as well. It's not just Pokemon cards. Right. And Target uh, has introduced some very specific policies. Like, let's, let's get into this, this Target, this, this Target aspect of it, because this is the story that I wrote. V- very, very quickly, though. Uh, it is everything, but Pokemon cards are, the, are driving this, in my opinion, based on a couple factors. Uh, one... PSA said that Pokemon cards used to be like 10% of all cards sent in. It's now like 40%. So the share of Pokemon cards has gone like through the roof. Um, and in addition to like this huge, like hugely increased number of, of cards. Second, it's like I had a shitload of baseball cards. The baseball cards from like the 90s, 80s, whatever, like those are not worth anything. Like the the cards I have from my childhood are not worth anything. I think that some of the newer ones are because they've been printed in a way to create scarcity. And so there is like that going on. Whereas with Pokemon, it's like every card from every set like is worth something. Um, There are very few Pokemon cards that are worth like one penny or whatever. And so I think that there's there's like that aspect to it. Um, but yes, it's like, we are seeing this uptick everywhere. And, and to that point, it's like, we're still printing Pokemon cards. We're still printing magic cards. We're still printing, uh, baseball, FIFA cards, etc. And so, yeah, what's happening at target real quickly. I do think your point about the, 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 the sports cards from your childhood is a good one. Um, because I don't know if you heard this when you were growing up, but when I was growing up, I was told to keep my comic books because my parents were raised on that story of, you know, we all got rid of our comic books. We thought they were trash. And then the one guy that kept them all is now a millionaire, right? Well, so we all kept our comic books and um, the Marvel and DC and all these other imprints were mass producing comics and like creating chase covers and stuff in the 90s. They were doing the same thing with sports cards. That's when you saw a lot of the uh, like the hologram cards and, you know, the the chrome cards um, and they mass printed all that stuff. And now it's worthless, but the new thing 
the the new thing that came out when we were kids, Pokemon cards, magic cards, that stuff's now worth something because nobody thought, you know, it, it's the one that came from behind that nobody thought was just, you know, was just another frivolous activity. The reason anyway, grading target. is, <laughs> we will get to it, but <laughs> so the, the, the card version of the through the Pope, the through the things away is the horror story I heard is my dad used to put his baseball cards in his bike spokes because uh, mm-hmm. it made like a, a little noise and like, I, the number of times that I heard that was like 1 million times. And, uh, and so, yeah, Pokemon cards were literal children's toys. And so that's part of why the grading thing is so important because in the nineties, it's like you had all these kids like based, like shuffling these cards, like playing with them at recess. Like I remember trading them in the fucking dirt in at, uh, at recess. And so like, there are very few cards that are actually in good condition, and that that's kind of like why we have here at long last target has turned target. into chaos. I've, I've been calling them chaos zones because they're not war zones because people die in war zones. No one has died at target. However, they are very chaotic. What What's going on at target? All right. So target is one of the big retail stores that outside of like going to a store that specializes in cards or collectibles, you can go to a target, you can buy up until recently could buy a couple of like Pokemon or magic, the gathering packs and like go about your day. Right. They also have them at Walmart, but for some reason people like to go to the target. It seems to be the center of a lot of the activity. Um, And so what you had is people kind of trying to figure out when the Pokemon cards were going to restock. One person would go in and just kind of clean everything out. Um, Target started realizing that it needed to adjust uh, how it was selling these cards for people. Um, And so the first thing it did, uh, this was several months ago, is it said, okay, um, we're only selling cards on Friday starting at 8 a.m., and so they announced this, they put store, they put signs up in their stores. So what ends up happening is people go to uh, Target's parking lot on Thursday and they set up and they camp and they say, all right, well, I'm going to be first in line to get the Pokemon cards when they drop uh, at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Um, and to be clear, the, the Pokemon cards that they're after are these new sets, uh, these Shining Fates 10s. Um, so they're like, I think they retail for about 30 bucks. It's a 10. You're guaranteed like a, a shiny chase card that's on top of it. And you get a couple of packs. And then within that pack, um, each booster contains 10 cards. Each Shining Fate 10 contains six packs. You're guaranteed 60 cards. Um, if you get a good card in there, you could flip it for several hundred dollars. I think the the big chase card is the Pikachu VMAX, which is this giant like chonky, big, big chungus Pikachu. Um, that one sells for several hundred dollars online. So if you get the right shining, you know, you you spent you spend 30 bucks, you get a chance of getting this uh, Pikachu card that you could turn around and sell for several hundred dollars, right? And so people are, I think you described it as a kind of arbitra- arbitrage um, in one of our conversations. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you get it, you can then resell it immediately on eBay. Um and you can do that even like, even if you don't open the packs, you know, you can yep. just simply buy them and, and flip them immediately. Yeah, there. Uh, and this is something that you see in high level Magic the Gathering trading, uh, where you have people that have purchased 
uh, boxes of unopened packs 10 or 20 years ago. Now they can take those boxes that are still sealed and sell them for thousands of dollars online because there might be a card in there that's worth several hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, so you, you, it's it's like a secondary market for loot boxes almost um, because there's a the potential earnings inside a box of these trading cards could be hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get the right ones. Uh, but anyway, so Target makes this 8 a.m. Friday is when we're going to start selling cards every week. Um, first come, first serve. So people start lining up outside of the Targets. Um, Target doesn't like this. Um, different Target stores have slightly different policies. Every store is a little bit different. But overall, um, they are attempting to discourage people from, you know, camping out overnight. You know, there's a pandemic going on. A retail parking lot is not a great place to be overnight. They don't want to pay any possible liability. So they start threatening to call the police on people that are waiting overnight in the parking lot. Um, and then right as we were working on this story, we'd started to see early reports that starting on April 30th, and again, we're talking on May 4th, uh, that they would be limiting the amount of trading card purchases any one item, any one guest could make in a day. Uh, we reached out to Target and we did eventually get them to confirm this. I'm just going to read their statement or, you know, the important parts of it. Uh, effective April 30th, we're limiting MLB, NBA, NFL, and Pokemon trading card purchases to one item per guest per day. We also ask guests not to line up outside of stores overnight to help ensure a safe environment for all. If a line forms at a store in the morning, guests can visit target.com slash line to receive a text message when it's their turn to return to the store. Um, and like I said, we had seen some signage from inside like Target stock rooms and seen some corporate communication that was encouraging them um, if they, if the store felt unsafe to call, call, like call the cops on people waiting in line for Pokemon cards. Um, how often that happens, it's probably pretty rare, but it's just, it, I think it speaks to the chaos of this whole thing. Yeah. And it's like, if you, if you look at the, you know, target employee subreddits or even just the responses to my story, I've gotten a lot of them. It's like people are, uh upset as in like the the you know the workers at target are like please stop asking us about this and i mean it's reminiscent of playstation 5 of of the new xbox of uh the precious 3080 uh cards like uh, graphics cards and it's just it's like anything else it's like supply and demand supply is pretty low demand is extremely high and like it's it the people who are caught in the middle are like the, the the retail employees well the retail employees but also the like kids who want these things mm -hmm. and like are simply unable to get it and like i don't know it's like i'm selling my pokemon cards but i'm I'm not selling like my new one i'm not going out and like buying 50 packs at target and buying the entire um stock at target i'm yeah, like the selling the things from my childhood that i don't want or need anymore yeah, the image I, I keep having in my mind is like, how much does it suck to be a 10 year old kid right now that's getting into the Pokemon trading card game? Um, and you have to convince your parents to take you up to Target at eight in the morning on a Friday on the off chance that the guy that, you know, maybe does this semi professionally is not going to beat you out. That sucks. That sucks. That and, sucks. And another thing that I'll say is like, 
I'm selling all these Pokemon cards on eBay. Um, the ones that I'm selling are not that valuable. Like I think I've sold maybe one or two cards for over a hundred dollars. The rest are falling into the like ten to twenty dollar range. And I've gotten multiple messages after an auction has ended from someone who was like, "My kid was on my eBay account and bought this, and I don't want it. Like, cancel the order." And it's it's similar to the like microtransactions story mm-hmm. in like apps. Where it's like, uh, my kid spent like thirty thousand dollars on Fortnite skins, like, or uh, or Candy Crush points or whatever. Like, now I'm now I'm dying. Um, I mean, these are these have been the ones that it's happened on have been like six dollar cards, and I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I'll refund <laughs> your money. I'll sell it again. Like, this is a very bizarre story you've invented, but um. Some of them are clearly well, lies is what I'm saying. Others of them right. are, are not. Um, but yeah. It, it's funny you say that because I, I think we forget about this now, but there was a slight moral panic around Pokemon cards specifically when they first came out. And I believe there was a parents sued. Um, I can't remember who the manufacturer is. It was of Wizards of the Coast card. and now it's Nintendo. I think it was Wizards of the... Yeah, it was back... I think they sued Wizards of the Coast back then. Um, basically saying that it was encouraging gambling in kids because... And it's the same argument we hear now about loot boxes and microtransactions and video games, but applied to Pokemon cards. And if you think about it, it makes a kind of sense mm-hmm. because you're buying like... You're, you're paying four or five bucks for this pack of 10. You don't know what's in there and it's going to be kind of a random thing. Um, and the lawsuit failed. It, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere, but they, that did happen back then. So it's interesting to see the kind of this resurgence of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it for the moment. Uh, we're going to keep following this. I'm going to do some more follow-ups because I've gotten some tips from people who work at PSA. If you, if you know anything about this, hit me up though. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear different perspectives and also just like follow along. I would really be interested to know what it's like to be working in one of those warehouses right now. What is the life of someone that grades Pokemon cards like? That's the story I would like to read. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to get. So so please hit me up. Uh, my contact info is on Twitter. Uh, I'm Jason Kebler, and we have Matt Galt here. Matt, thank you for uh, for joining. Absolutely. Farewell. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.